the messaging switch, like, here's how we can help you, you know, very, very blunt, very, very brief, you know, and then because we didn't want to take away any of their time. And so um, kind of forming those relationships and now it's sort of transitioning to like, you know, how, how we have helped. And then now it's, it's transitioning to like, Hey, when, when this starts and we're starting to see that, you know, operations in these organizations are um, normalizing uh, a little bit. And so they're, they're getting back to these projects that, that were shelved or, you know, paused. And, uh, and so now this is sort of reflected in our messaging being like, Hey, listen, when, when we emerge from this, um, what, uh, what, whatever that looks like, you know, this, this is the new world and these, these are the sort of the new, new rules and, and here's how we can help you with them. Welcome to Startupville, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and we're having conversations with tech leaders in our community about how they're working through the current global economic crisis and the larger implications on their sectors. Today we're talking with Tom Ross, CEO of Ango Systems, who makes smart absence management software, creating efficiencies and improving the lives of everyone involved. Ango is focused on helping essential industries like healthcare manage their staff scheduling in a time where this is more important than ever. So we talk more about how they've adapted to serve an industry moving headlong towards digital transformation and what this has meant for their own strategic direction. We also talked about their recent decision to invest in rebranding and positioning the company for success moving forward. Welcome to Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. Tom Ross, thank you for joining me here on Startupville. Thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. So let's go back to a much earlier episode of The Life of Startupville. Um, we did an interview uh, back then uh, with, uh, with uh, NC Smart Call. There's been a name change. Let's start off with that and how the organization has evolved since then. Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the evolution from NC Smart Call to Ango is, was one that was, uh, I guess, uh, coming up for a while, you know, um, basically when we got started, uh, we, we just went to work, you know, we, we started to work, we were affiliated with noodle cake at the time and, uh, very creatively came up with a consulting division called NC smart call. And so, um, that was, that was sort of where, uh, where, where we got kind of our first, first name there, where NC smart call came from. Um, as we grew and, and the product grew, you know, we, we've never really, Kind of taking a look at it strategically as far as saying okay what what is it what is our offering you know what what is the value that we're providing what is what is the brand that that's coming around it right we, we sort of sort of grew this thing organically and uh, built a number of, of modules over time um functionality you know added to it and so now it was kind of getting to the point where it's like listen if this was like if we were strategically starting off would we we wouldn't be called what we're called you know we sort of inherited this and sort of grew with it and so we sort of recognized the, the need for, for a name change. Now in, in discussing it with, with our leadership, uh, I was sort of, you know, I, I acknowledged that, um, you know, we, we needed, uh, needed the change, but also recognize like we're busy, like we're absolutely busy. Um, so the, the catalyst for it was actually, so, so we were part of this, this Kronos technology partner program, and there was going to be a significant investment in, uh, in some advertising and, and some, some network building. And um, we're like, if, if we don't do this now, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to do it, right? If, if we're going to invest all this money is, is entering into this, this um, program as NC Smart Call, well, then, then that's what we are. And so, so we took the plunge and, uh, and decided to, to go down the rebranding road 
and uh, and then ended here with with Ango, and um, very very happy with it. Very pleased. You know, the only regret is that we didn't do it sooner. But um, yeah, very very pleased with it. And for people who don't know what it is exactly that you do or the the product that you offer to the marketplace, uh, could you just give us the elevator pitch of Ango? Yeah, absolutely. So Ango is is smart absence management solutions. Basically, what that means is we, we automate complex scheduling processes into automated and configurable workflows. So an example of this is like, you know, when a, when a nurse calls in sick to an organization, that absence has multiple touch points within that organization. So everything from onboarding that sick call to deciding what to do with that sick call, whether, you know, replacement needs to be found um, to, to then notifying eligible replacements uh, in line with, with collective agreements. And so, the smart absence management suite has a number of modules for, for automating each one of those touch points. And that, um, that, that creates a tremendous amount of efficiencies. Um, what we found is that these, these large organizations, a lot of these, these processes, as much as everything else is digitized, these, these items were still manual, right? So you still had scheduling staff manually got dialing phone numbers. You had a, a central operator taking a sick call. And then, um, you know, finding the manager who, who it if impacted, you know, um, the other thing is, is people will be calling sick into their manager phone who maybe is off for that day. And so, so there, there's just a ton of inefficiencies. And so, you know, as, as we've kind of coined and then start calling closing the loop, we've, we've automated each one of those steps that an absence goes through. So that's a long elevator ride, but uh, it gives you the idea of, of what, what it is that we're doing. Hey, I used to work in med tech and in the hospital situation where I was, uh, we had three and a half thousand members of staff and there was a process where you had to call a specific number and they would escalate it manually through all these different people. Will you be in? Have you got something in that feels like it's infectious? Do you think you're going to be in tomorrow? Uh, you have to be assessed to be able to come back in and all these processes. So I'm I'm very intimate with, with it. It's complex. And when you've got so many moving parts, when you've got mission critical staff, uh, it's not the kind of thing you can say, hey, do you know what? We're down by three people. We'll just push a project back by a little bit. Uh, the the customer, effectively, the person in the bed, the person who needs treatment, they're not going to be flexible to, to the staffing needs, particularly around the emergency scenario. Um, real question for you. We're, we're in strange times now. Um, the world is is changing, and it's a, it's an evolving situation with COVID nineteen. Your product seems very suited to the management and and continuation of staffing. Yeah, well, you know, Dan. I mean, we we planned this from the beginning. This is what we always had in mind. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We were sort of on the fortunate end of uh, of this, right? Uh, but but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, things things have changed. You know, you know, for the better. For the worse in, in so many different areas and uh you know our, our solution here is uh, it's sort of this this is sort of reinforced the importance of, of the service that we're able to provide you know you, you strip away some of these these things i mentioned earlier and at the core what we're doing is we're communicating to your employees right where we're communicating communication platform that that your employees can can use to engage in, and you know connect with your organization and so in a situation such as covid where where things are, are absolutely fluid and updates are coming um, you know, hour by hour, how it's sort of interesting to see how many large organizations are unable to kind of quickly communicate with their entire staff, you know, easily and, and conveniently. And so that's, 
that's something that uh, has, you know, kind of just, re, like I said, reinforced the importance of, of the service that we're providing and, uh, and actually helps these organizations tremendously as far as, you know, um, keeping, keeping everyone up to date. So. so you have this fantastic Saskatchewan base, and you're very proud of this, clearly. Um, where is your footprint? Where are the customers geographically spread? So we're, we're active across Canada here in, in healthcare primarily. Um, we're starting to venture into the, the North American wide market, particularly the U.S. with healthcare, but also manufacturing. Um, that was another area, another kind of vertical where, you know, basically any time an employee calls in sick and you need to find a replacement, um, we, we can help that. We can help automate that process. So right now, we're, we're Western Canada is, is definitely our largest presence, uh, obviously in Saskatchewan here, as well as BC, a number working with a number of health authorities out there. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, looking to, to expand here into to the rest of North America. And, and that, that channel partner program I mentioned earlier has sort of been a good catalyst for that as far as like connecting with a lot of folks and, and having conversations about, you know, the, the service that we provide and, and sort of expanding it beyond healthcare here in the upcoming year. And just on the COVID-19 question, how has the current situation affect your, affected your operations? Uh, are you mainly remote? Are you team which is co-located? Do you work together? Uh, what's the configuration like and what's the impact been? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, um, I, I count myself very fortunate. I count ourselves very fortunate. Um, that we're, we're able to adapt pretty easily to this. You know, even when we're all in the office, uh, we, we sort of like work together. We work remotely together, you know, like we're, we're using interfacing through technology and stuff. And so, you know, obviously there's been an adjustment just like everyone, you know, I mean, you recognize how ill-suited perhaps your home setup is. <laughs> um, and so, so some of those, those adjustments, but I think, I think the team has done, well, the, the team has done absolutely tremendous as far as, you know, carrying on with projects. And, uh, and, and sort of maintaining that while, you know, adjusting to these, these sort of new, new rules. Um, we, like I said, you know, we, we were able to make the call pretty early and, and we're, we're in no rush to get back. Uh, like I said, we're, we're fortunate to be in the position we are and uh, we, we're not going to kind of create any undue risk uh, that, that's, that's just frankly not necessary. Um, from, from like an operation standpoint, from a client standpoint, what we saw with COVID was uh, sort of a shift. You know, like I said, we're, we're fortunate that we're working within healthcare, so they, they, they needed us more than ever. And what we sort of saw, though, was that uh, like our, our, our pipeline in terms of new deals, new business that, that was sort of on the, on the threshold of coming through, that, that just got paused, right? I mean, the, the, the folks working on those projects, they shifted to COVID response. Um, what, what more than filled that, though, was, was our existing clients working on um, their COVID response, you know, how can we help them? And so retooling some of the, um, the, the systems that we had for them to, to help with employee screening, employee communication, sort of expanding the footprint of, of what it is that we were doing. Uh, and then and, and, um, the other thing that was kind of interesting in terms of new business is, uh, you know, and this sort of the sentiment's been echoed quite, quite frequently, I've heard, but, but, you know, this has moved forward, sort of the whole digital transformation, you know, like a decade, right? Like we have hospitals in Ontario, who, um, who, who know that they need this stuff. And then now it's just more apparent than ever that they, they need this. And so we're in conversations about how can we stand up an instance in like, you know, five days when, when normally it, it takes, you know, three, three months, six months, you know, all this sort of stuff. Right. And so we're, we're kind of, as a company decided we wanted to help out the community as much as we can um, in, in making sure that uh, we can, we can, you know, give back and, and make our, our technology available to, to as, as many organizations as possible. And so it's been, uh, it's been, it's been very good. You know, 
in my seat also too, you know, like the sales cycle in this industry is tremendously long, right? It takes like 12 months, 18 months. Um, so when you see someone who's looking for, you know, an end of month deal and, and implementation, you're like, Oh my goodness, this is like a dream come true. You know? So it's, uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of mixed, right? I mean, uh, we're looking, looking at it. Uh, but like I said, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that, that uh, our, our market is, is still there and, uh, and, and growing through this, frankly. The reality is this is a desperately testing time for humanity but it doesn't mean that when there are suitable, applicable solutions that they shouldn't be used. And it certainly shouldn't be the case that an organisation who has the skill set, the tooling ready to roll for an organisation that could benefit from this should just, because it's a difficult time, you know, effectively close the shutters. Whilst I would never say to an organisation, hey, this is such a great opportunity to use it as a a, a case study to go out there and you advertise, hey, we're doing this, that and the other. The truth is that you've shown, you've demonstrated that you are crisis ready. You are there for your clients and there is future opportunity that comes from that because it's got to then ring true that the product is not only reliable and robust in the regular scenario, it's in this time when it's kind of turned up to a 120 times normal situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're definitely right. And, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, that's, these were sort of feelings that we were wrestling with, right? I mean, the idea of, of being coming across as opportunistic in these times initially is, is something we, we wanted to avoid um, and because, because it wasn't what, what our goal was. Uh, that. That being said, you know, we, we can help people with our service. And so, you know, by enabling it and, and you know, like kind of like pivoting from, from our, our existing sort of roadmap and then what we were hoping to do this quarter just to help out with, with the response was, was something that, that we felt very, very important to do. And so it's, um, it's definitely nice to, to, to be able to, you know, especially impact like the people who are like servicing these front lines. Like it's sort of our way to contribute, you know, it's our way to like help this. And so um, it's, uh, yeah, pretty pretty interesting times for sure. And uh, we, we've been able to kind of navigate it quite well from, from like a messaging standpoint too, you know, like everything sort of changed. Like we sort of stopped selling, you, you know, that, that's not quite our approach, but just as far as like the messaging switch, like here's how we can help you, you know, very, very blunt, very, very brief, you know, and then because we didn't want to take away any of their time. And so um, kind of forming those relationships and now it's sort of transitioning to like, you know, how, how we have helped. And then now it's, it's transitioning to like, hey, when, when this starts, and we're starting to see that, you know, operations in these organizations are um, normalizing uh, a little bit. And so they're, they're getting back to these projects that, that were shelved or, you know, paused. And, uh, and so now this is sort of reflected in our messaging being like, hey, listen, when, when we emerge from this, um, what, uh, what, whatever that looks like, you know, this, this is the new world and these, these are the sort of the new, new rules and, and here's how we can help you with them, so... Yeah, any good responsible organization will go from selling mode to being there and being seen to support. And then eventually, once the timing is right, to get back into that phase of going, okay, we've, we've done this, we will continue to do this because we're good people. But the truth is, for our commercial survival, we have to get back to that at some point. And it's just a question of, 
I've got this phrase when it comes to selling. If if you oversell something or you sell something at the wrong time, it feels vulgar. And if it feels vulgar to you, I guarantee it will feel vulgar to them. So it's that taste test that you have as a communicator, as a marketer, as someone pitching for business. And I'm sure that you've you've gone through this period and as this period continues, you make that call to go, okay, what are our values? How ethically do we want to be uh, behaving? How do we want to be, most importantly, perceived, which is incredibly important. Um, when we look at your product, your main product itself, how do we track that our or the employees, the staff out there are not doing too many hours, they're not overstressed, that they're not uh, running to the ragged edge and that care is being taken of them through the use of intelligence through systems? So, yeah, you know, um, what, what we sort of see here, especially in healthcare, is that a lot of this stuff is, is governed by these collective agreements that are in place. You know, they, they have rules around, um, and it's sort of, in a, in a way, balancing in that, uh, you know, there's minimum time off in between shifts, there's maximum amount of shifts in accounting period, you know, some, some of these examples. And, uh, you know, obviously, the, the organizations are trying to minimize operational costs, right? And so, so if they go and, and to, you know, run it to that point, um, you know, it, it's going to going to create uh, you know, higher costs, right? This, this employee is going to trigger you know, triple overtime um, because they sort of checked all these boxes. And so, so it's sort of just being able to kind of standardize those rules. That's one thing that we've been able to do, standardize those rules in terms of like, you know, building these eligibility lists of, of who can work you know, in line with these, these agreements. And so that you know, it's a straight time shift. Our goal is to find someone at straight time. Um, you know, as far as uh, you know, checking it out, from, from, from COVID, it's sort of interesting. Like um, what we've seen from like an interesting data point is like, so we, we do a lot of communications, text messages, phone calls to go out to these, these uh, nurses and, and, and frontline employees. We saw collectively about a 30% decrease over COVID in just sort of regular operations, right? So these were less notifications that were going out. And a um, couple of things that that tells us. One, the, the wave that we were expecting never came, which means all these measures we took worked. Like, so that's, that's great. Um, two, that, uh, and this is sort of more anecdotal, just talking with, with my, my counterparts in, in, the, in our client organizations, that uh, they, they actually found it was actually easier for them to fill shifts because you know, they, they shut down certain parts of their operations. And so all the employees that are regularly staffed there, they, they, they aren't working. So they're picking up shifts in, in units that they can pick up shifts. You know? So when, when there's like a 30% decrease in overall operational function, yet your employee level is the same, you know, these, these folks are making themselves available. Now, you know, another factor potentially to consider into this is that you know, given the, the hardship, and I think kind of back to your earlier point, it was, it was just when it first emerged, it was just interesting. It was just a lot of feelings, a lot of emotion. And, and you heard of all the harm um, that, that was going and people losing jobs and, and businesses sort of drying up overnight. And, and the fact that you weren't, you sort of had a little bit of like, I don't know, survivor's guilt in a sense. Right. And so that was that sort of that balance. But um, to, to that point now is, is that, you know, you have some of the households that perhaps have lost revenue, have lost income. And so now, now there's, there's further motivation for, for some of these, these um, staff members to perhaps pick up shifts. You know, there's, there's more capacity there. And so it's just sort of interesting that, you know, like the, the, the measures that were taken, um, the, the financial impact of all this it actually resulted in perhaps you know the ability and I'm not speaking on, on anything here but just statistically what, what sort of seeing is, is that uh, you know 
the, the vacant shifts were filled quickly and, and easier than, than they are in, in sort of regular times. Um, so that's kind of kind of fascinating in a way, right? It, it is fascinating. And one of the things that I found particularly interesting, and I've only got the reference point from home, is that uh, repeatedly seeing reports and, and conversations with friends who are still in that space where they were saying, do you know, people people aren't coming to the emergency room as they were. They're not turning up early uh, when they're fearing for something, when they're concerned about something, because the greater fear to uh, the patient or potential patient is the COVID-19. So they're staying away for longer. So that has, from from the people that I've spoken to back home and the reports that I've seen, had a direct impact that emergency rooms have been quieter. And when you say about the ability to redeploy people, tools like yours ensure that the resources are being used effectively and managed properly for the organization and for the patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I thank you. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll get you in uh, some of our, our next calls here. This is, this is great. <laughs> so... Uh, just, just, just where we're at now, where we are in the world. Uh, you're saying that you're um, starting that investigation or starting that rollout into different verticals. Your system applies to so many different industry sectors. If you had a, and I don't want you to divulge things that you don't want to divulge, but if you had a list of okay, the three target industries that we would love to. Uh, hook up next or or have as a priority to get into you've mentioned engineering manufacturing uh, are there any other areas yeah yeah you know i mean that that that's a good question and one one that i'm i'm pondering often um and so you know manufacturing obviously just seems like a natural fit uh as far as where where we are and also some of the traction that we've gotten to sort of leaning that way obviously healthcare is is, is our, our core you know so so that's that's going to continue um and then when you when you add um i guess what you call maybe perhaps transportation is is another big area um public services which is which is another one as well as you think mining manufacturing um those 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 industries those are kind of the the key ones there uh interestingly though you know like the rules or some of these, these requirements that 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 covid has brought upon itself is is opening it up to, to others as well right other industries perhaps more of a, a better use case now um, in terms of, you know, there's, there's these requirements that uh, organizations need, you need to have sort of employee screening, right? You need to have uh, attestation as far as, you know, like symptoms and this and that and the other. And so how are you proactively reaching that? And a lot of organizations are just sort of manually kind of going through that or, or doing, you know, before they enter the premises. And so we, we have the ability to kind of create tools that, that can automate that outreach that to, to the beginning. And so, especially when you think of like kind of that, those industries where, you know, not, not, not that anything's easy in these times, but manufacturing, you have an opportunity to set up a workspace and sort of be isolated. In those industries where, where you have to interface with other people, um, this, this potentially could be a more useful tool. And so they're, they're kind of thinking of like retail on, on that side, you know, where, where it is absolutely more important, even from like a contact tracing standpoint, um, you know, where, where we, can, we can kind of identify uh, the, the, the symptoms that the employee has or sort of help guide that based on sort of these organizational requirements. And so, so there, there's been some conversations, initial conversations around some opportunities there that uh, they're kind of intriguing right now. Um, our, our whole thing is, is, you know, there's no denying that 
some of the stuff that we're doing now is, is, is going to, to kind of fall by the wayside, but there are going to be a lot of things that continue on. And, and so with those things that continue on, what, what are those? And, and you know, what, what makes sense from an investment standpoint to, to provide tools for, for those items? And if there is an industry that I've looked at where there has been a, a challenge, I think everyone is aware of the meat processing industry. That has been one that has been knocked sideways with how they manage their staff, how they uh, maneuver them safely in relatively small spaces, how they how they re remachine their workspaces, and then the people interfacing with all of that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, sort of just what we've all learned from this, like how like critical like two or three plants are to the whole food supply chain right and 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 so like this this is like a, a definite function of, of what we're what we're seeing right we, we need we need this this stuff set up um the the other thing is is you know like kind of the old ways of doing things don't necessarily won't transfer over and uh and then some of that stuff's being highlighted and and i think too kind of emerging a little bit just kind of on that that legislation side point like uh, in the u.s you're starting to see more of this this fair work week legislation get rolled out um as as well and and uh, you know i'm not sure how that, that that's going to kind of coincide here with 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 covid but but the other the other the main idea here is this sort of this, this this equitable staffing that's a big part of that and um you know some of these practices that uh, that, that have been going on um are, are being brought to light and uh, you know it's, it's interesting where like in canada what we see is is um you know it, it, it's you always think of like the collective rules, you know, some of the challenges that they create operationally that you have to overcome to navigate, you know, and like, oh, geez, you know, like there, there's some challenges with that. Um, but, but in the U.S., you know, some of the folks that I've been talking to, they're, they, they kind of yearn for it because those are like rules of engagement that they don't have right now, right? Like a lot of organizations, it's a lot more open. And so the consequence of being in violation of this is like, you know, your, your next week's hashtag and you have the ramifications are far more profound than, you know, paying out a grievance and stuff. And so this is, this is sort of from a position standpoint where we're able to potentially help them with that, right? And looking at what you do and, and how the platform can be configured for each workplace or each, uh, each client, let's say, if they are uh, pan province, pan um, states, or even pan territories internationally, um, I would imagine that you can configure it to comply with the requirements of each uh, legislation for employment, for example, in Europe with the European Working Time Directive of a fixed number of maximum hours, which wouldn't necessarily apply to um, places in North America, let's say. But a single employer could have properties in both places and want to use your platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like when we're creating with this thing and this, we, we ran into this very early on, you know, and, and every, everyone's unique. Every, every organization had their own set of rules. And so, you know, when, when you're building software and you're trying to scale this thing, um, having to rebuild it every time you have a new client is, isn't, isn't going to work. And so this, uh, this configurable, this configurability is sort of ingrained early on in, in what we're doing as far as, you know, kind of the rule sets that are being deployed, how, how we can uh, set them up per these different, you know, structures, whether it be units, departments, regions. Um, and then, so these sort of propagate down to, to, you know, the corresponding rules for, for that area. And so, so these organizations do get what you described, you know, that, that control, this area follows these rules, this area follows those rules We're we're compliance across the board. That's, that's what we can do now. My, my CTO here, he's just going to say, it's not making it sound way too easy. It's not, not there. A lot goes into that. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's obviously the goal 
um, we, we recognize too is, is that these organizations, you know, this, this is sort of that, that, that uh, tug of war between it's like, well, are we, are we bringing the old bad analog ways forward or, or is, this, is this a requirement? You know, is this an opportunity to perhaps change some of this stuff? Because these rules, you know, at the time that they were created, the technology that was available, you know, they were applicable, but now the technology is new, right? So what, what can we, you know, what, what can we look at uh, that, uh, that we can perhaps, you know, change, change the process? And then what, what does the, the, the technology needs? How does that adapt to a process? And so finding that balance is, is something that uh, is, is continuous and, and, and one that, uh, you know, we, we've recognized the need for very early on in, in this industry. And talking of that piece on um, the onboarding process, you must have, um, uh, as, as partly a way to placate your CTO and partly because systemization matters, you must have quite a robust um, modular discovery process so that you can listen to what the needs are, go through standardized questioning and discover the system and what their requirement is, and then lock and put the modules together to make sure that you're not redeveloping 100% every single time. There must be a core and then optional pieces, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dan, that's that's the goal, and that's where we're going towards, and we're there in a lot of areas. But but you know, it, it's uh, it's a journey, and I think honestly, it's something that we're never going to be done. You know, and, and in certain ways, I think we haven't even started in a lot of things. But yeah, absolutely, like the modular ability of, of our, uh, our of our platform, you know, and, and the unique requirements that are available through that, and, and how to onboard and how to like, kind of uncover some of these these hidden things that these organizations require. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of times where we're close to going live and you know, how come it doesn't do this? And we're like, well, what, what, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, we, we need this, you know, this is something that we have to do. And it's like, well, geez, okay, this, this, let's, let's get to work. Let's figure out a way how to solve this, you know? And so that, that's kind of been the spirit to now. Um, what, what we're doing is as we're growing here, we're, we're trying to systemize this a lot more, right? We're trying to build the process around it and, and put some of this power back into, uh, into our client's hands so that they, they can kind of configure it uh, to, to what, uh, what they need now there, there's a lot of risks with that right i mean because uh, you know they their their experience is based on their ability to set up the configuration properly which which is something that you know we, we want to make sure that they're successful so it's uh it's it's, it's kind of uh it's an evolution and um you know what you described is is where we're going um we're there on, on a number of fronts and and we have we have a ways to go on a number of others but uh, that's that's definitely where where we're looking to for sure Tom Ross, CEO of Ango Systems. It leaves me to ask this very important question. If people wanted to find out more about you and the organization, how could they do that? Awesome. Okay, so yeah, we got our, our, our website, our beautifully branded website there, angosystems.com. Um, that would be the, the best place to do it. Uh, social media handles, uh, Twitter at Ango Systems, on Facebook, Ango Systems. And then, of course, LinkedIn. That would be um, our company page. At, you guessed it and go systems. Tom Ross, thank you so much for joining us here on Startupville. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Thanks, Dan. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.